those who are rejoicing, weep with those who are weeping. Have the same respect for one another. Do not be arrogant, but associate with the humble. Do not think too highly of yourself. Do not pay anyone back, evil for evil. Focus on those things that everyone considers noble. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, maintain peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink, for by doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The word of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Have you ever had a boss place a demand on you that was just beyond your capability? Or have you ever had a teacher or a professor assign you so much work for a class that you looked at it and thought, you know, even if I dropped all of my other courses and terminated my friendships, and broke it off with my significant other, and quit my job, I'm still not sure I would be able to keep up with the work for this class. When we are faced with those kinds of impossible demands and requirements, how do we usually react in those situations? Well, for most people, it starts with frustration. And then after a while, if there is no relief, if the boss or the professor or ever, whoever does not let up, then the frustration devolves into exasperation and desperation. And finally, people reach their breaking point. And if you've never gotten there yourself, I'm sure you've seen it happen to somebody else. It's mostly tragedy with sometimes a little bit of comedy mixed in when a person gets to that point. You see a, a coworker just pacing around the office and mumbling to himself, I can't do that by Friday. There's no way I can do that by Friday. I'm out of here. This morning, you heard your Savior Jesus place a demand on you. He says, I say to you who are listening, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And then, there was no let up. No relief from that demand. Because then, St. Paul echoes what Jesus says. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Do not pay back evil for evil. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. You hear that demand from your Savior Jesus and his servant, St. Paul. Your first reaction may be to feel like you have just been asked to do something impossible, something that is beyond your capability. And you may want to react the way people naturally react when a demand like that is made of them, to throw up your hands and say, I can't do that. It's impossible to love my enemies. It's ridiculous, and I'm not even going to try. And you'd have a point if it were up to our power, if we were left to ourselves, it certainly would be impossible to do what Jesus and the Apostle Paul demand us to do today and show love even for our enemies, even for people who hate us and have it in for us. But it is possible. We can do this. We can do this because of the love that God has shown to us 
and the love that God has placed into our hearts as his people. Today, when we hear this demand that sounds like it's way beyond what anybody would be able to do, we answer it the right way. It is, I will do this. I will show love even for my enemies because of the love God has placed in my heart. And I'm not just going to show this love for my enemies. I will let this love be the foundation for the relationships I have with everybody that I come across in this world. Now the first thing to know is that when it comes to showing love for enemies, God practices what he preaches. The Bible tells us that by nature, when we came to life, we were alienated from God. We were estranged from him by our sin, and we were actually under the control of God's arch enemy, Satan. And scripture goes so far as to use the exact word enemies. It says we were enemies of God. And how did God treat us enemies? And every member of the sinful enemy human race. He sent his son to die for us. In this same letter to the Romans, Paul says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So while we were still hostile to God, while we were still in an enemy state with God, he showed love for us by sending his son to be the sacrifice that takes away all of our sins. That is how God treated us and all of his sinful enemies. And in the language of the New Testament, this divine love of God that he shows for his enemies goes by the name agape. That is the exact word that Jesus uses in today's gospel. He says, agape, your enemies. Now in Romans chapter 12, St. Paul actually never uses the word, but he defines it and describes it without actually using the word agape. This is the divine love that God shows even for his enemies. And it is the love that as God's people, we now show even to those who hate us, even to those who intend harm. This divine agape love that God shows to his enemies is, first of all, selfless. When God looked at us, his enemies, he did not ask, what can these people do for me? How much can I squeeze out of them? He only asked himself, what can I do for them? How can I benefit them? Now, if God had reversed that question and said, I'll have a relationship with these people if they can do things for me, he never would have done anything for us because we had nothing to offer him. But the love that God shows his enemies is, first of all, selfless. And it had to be because we had nothing to offer him as his enemies. In addition to being selfless, the divine love that God has for us is sacrificial. Agape love sacrifices. God sent his son into this world to be the sacrifice for our sins that would bring us back to him no longer as his enemies but as his friends, his sons and his daughters. When Jesus came into this world, he stretched himself out on the cross and became that sacrifice for our sins that makes us God's friends. The love that God has for his enemies is selfless and it is sacrificial. And more than anything else, the agape love of God is an active love. It works. God loved his enemies and he did something for them. He planned their salvation and he sent his son. 
Jesus came into this world and he did things. He worked for us. He kept all of God's commandments perfectly through his whole life so we'd get credit for that righteousness. And then Jesus marched to the cross and made himself that sacrifice for our sins. This divine agape love is a love that expresses itself not so much with warm emotions and soaring words, but it is a love that expresses itself in activity. That's the love that God shows for his enemies. Selfless, it is sacrificial, and it moves, and it works. So is it possible to love enemies? Well, for God it is. He showed that perfect love for us while we were still his enemies. But is it possible for us to show love for our enemies? It is. Because God has not only shown that love to us in his Son, he has also placed that love in our hearts. And he tells us in the Bible that with that love in our hearts, yes, we can do this. The Bible tells us we can, and it tells us why. We love because he first loved us. Now, when we fall into thinking that it's impossible for us to show love for our enemies, it's probably because we're thinking along terms, wrong definition of love, we're probably not thinking in terms of agape love. Because there are, of course, other kinds of love. For example, there's the warm, fuzzy, emotional love between friends. Somebody you've known for 20 years, somebody you went to school with, or you, you worked with them forever and you got real close to them, and you have kind of this warm, emotional bond with that person. And that kind of love is certainly wonderful, and that's God-pleasing too. But you see, if you're carrying that definition of love into your relationship with an enemy, then yes, it will be impossible to love them because to state the very obvious, your enemies are not your friends. They are your enemies. So you're probably never going to have a warm, fuzzy, friendly feeling toward the people who hate you and intend you harm. But what we can do and what we will do as God's people is show even them the kind of agape love that God showed us in his son, Jesus Christ. That even though I have no emotional tie to this person and I have no fond feelings for them, I will still think in selfless terms when I think about that person. And even when that person is at their most unlovable, I will still look for ways to sacrifice for them. And when I see absolutely no redeeming quality in that human being whatsoever, I will still look for ways to work, to do something active on their behalf. It is interesting, if you pay attention carefully, in Romans chapter 12, when Paul speaks of showing love for enemies, he never says a single word about feelings or emotions. It's all activity. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Do not pay anyone back evil for evil. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. Now, it is a, a sad thing that sometimes we Christians do get in line with the world's thinking toward enemies and the world's treatment toward enemies. And if you want to see how the world, apart from Christ, approaches its enemies, feel free to drop by any Facebook comment section or any political rally. And you'll see that the world, apart from Christ, does not, does not understand the divine agape love that God shows for his enemies. The only thing the unbelieving world can do when it thinks about loving enemies is not think about it at all. 
just throw up their hands and say, we can't do this. This is impossible. There's no way. And for the times we've thought about that, when approaching our enemies, the first thing we need to do is return to the loving embrace of our God. Go back to God for forgiveness. And remember that we have it. Because God was selfless toward us, his enemies. Because he sacrificed himself for us on the cross. Because he came to live and work for us, we have forgiveness for all of our sins. And with that love of God renewed in our hearts, then we go out determined to show that love even to the people who have it in for us. But not just for them. Paul does talk about loving enemies in Romans chapter 12, but it's not all about treatment of enemies. See, this divine agape love, we also need to have this for our friends, for our family members, for the fellow members of our congregation. We need this divine love to be the foundation for all of our relationships with all people. Because we know there are other kinds of love than agape love, right? There is that love between friends that I talk, talked about before. And there's love between spouses and significant others, which hopefully is a combination of that friendship love. I mean, if you're married, I really hope you married a friend. If you didn't, you're in for, you've made a bad mistake if you didn't marry one of your friends. But it's a combination of that friendship love and romantic love, right? So there's other kinds of love, but because we're not perfect people, we know that sometimes those, rela those relationships between friends can get frayed and sometimes start to pull apart because we don't treat each other right sometimes. And sometimes even between a husband and wife, feelings get hurt and things start to crack apart, especially when one spouse or the other does something particularly silly or thoughtless. So, okay, at those times in our other relationships where they are jeopardized by thoughtless words or careless actions, what is it that's going to bring those people back together and help to heal that relationship? Agape love has to be there as the foundation to hold those people together and give their other kinds of love a chance to repair and regrow. So for example, say you have a wife whose husband has been particularly a jerk to her lately. That's when her agape love needs to step up in her heart and say, you know what, even though he does not have this coming to him right now, continue to be active for him, continue to sacrifice for him. And if she treats him that way, then their romantic love and their friendship love will have time to come back. Or as another example, say you have a friend who says something really nasty and thoughtless to you. And by all human standards, the thing to do would be to say, I forget it. I'm done with that friendship. I'm not going to talk to her anymore. That's when agape love has to kind of climb up in your heart and say, I'm going to continue to be kind to her and sacrifice for her. If you treat her that way, well, then your friendship has time to come back and it holds you together. See, agape love is definitely for our enemies, but it's not just for our enemies. It's for our friends. It's for our family members. It's for the members of our congregation because sometimes they may slip up and treat us like enemies. And that's when we remember that while we were God's enemies, he showed perfect love for us in his son. He has placed it in our hearts. Now we show it 
even to our enemies, and we let it tie together all of our relationships in this world. Amen.